What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Uh, another playoff race as we're covering. This is the NASCAR DFS podcast with Fantasy Alarm, DFS Alarm, the Alarm Sports Networks. Dan Malin, and I'm joined by Matt Sells. Matt, how you doing? I'm sure you have some thoughts on the 2022 NASCAR schedule. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, if you heard any weird noise there at the beginning, my cat decided this was the perfect time to hop on my desk and sit on my printer. Because, um, you know, he's a cat. Um, so, yeah, the, the schedule's kind of interesting for next year, mainly with holidays. A, they're racing on Easter, which they haven't done in at least the last, I don't know, several years. Um, they're also racing on Mother's Day, which normally they would race on, like, Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. Now they're racing in prime time on the Bristol Dirt Track, by the way. Uh, on Mother's Nothing Day. Nothing says Happy Mother's Day like taking your mom to a dirt race. Right, and then getting all dirty <laughs> and then making her do, and then, you know, you got laundry to do together and stain treat the crap out of stuff because that dirt gets on everything. Um, but then they gave Father's Day off, so that's interesting because normally they race on Father's Day, but then they don't on Mother's Day or Easter, so they kind of flip that around. Um, Pocono losing a date, I'm not really that upset about frankly those races are boring those races are boring even with the back-to-back spicing it up or whatever you basically knew who was gonna come from the middle of the pack to win yeah. both of the last two years so i'm not uh yeah there's not really anything that a package can do to save that track it's just a boring track much like was the conclusion with indianapolis motor speedway turns out two and a half mile flat tracks are boring um yeah, the clash though. Can we talk about that? Because I have no idea what what they're trying to do with this. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely going to generate eyes because it's the week before the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is in LA. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but you're having everybody go across country to race on a purpose-built what can only be, I'm assuming like at most a third of a mile track it's probably more like a quarter of a mile track. i've heard it's going to be a quarter mile track i mean that's what's mostly around football fields typically is a court like your high school football field has a quarter of a mile track around it mm-hmm. obviously this isn't going to be as narrow as high school track but you know so we're gonna have what 20 23 drivers on a quarter-mile track that's never been raced on before for an exhibition event that's all the way across the country. Then they you think go, the haulers are going to have to stay out of the stadium? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how you get them into the infield. Because, yeah. um, I mean, the infield's smaller than Bristol and Martinsville, and they got to right. pack those suckers in like sardines to begin with. <clears throat> but then you go back across to Daytona for the 500 which is the traditional start of the season, right? Then the second race of the year is Auto Club, (laughs) which is just outside of L.A. I mean, just outside. It's like an hour outside of L.A. But still, you're going to L.A. twice in three weeks, and you're going to... I mean, people are going to be just jet-lagged by the fourth race of the season. So... It's interesting. I wasn't that big of a fan of it on the road course last year at Daytona because, again, you've got 20 cars on a 3.6-mile road course. It looks like an F1 race, which as much as American audiences like F1 now, 
they still get way too spread out. There's not as much passing or whatever. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I do love the addition of Gateway to the cup schedule. Um, They've already received, like, 5,000, like, deposits for tickets, and, like, they'll easily sell out that venue. Yeah, they got a three-year commitment, too. Mm. Um, I love seeing Coda back because they kind of look <laughs> it, it really needs a second chance. <laughs> it really needs a second chance. Last year was not a fair of like the 60 total days it rains in Texas. It rained all four of those days in that yeah. weekend. Um so glad to see Coda back. Um <clears throat> overall, I mean yeah, getting Homestead back in the playoffs was nice. Deep in the playoffs too. Yeah, it's like in the third, it's like the what, third to last race of the year or something. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty nice, but in general, I don't really have much, I mean, it wasn't the only road course they lost was just Daytona road, right? I believe so. Is because they got auto club back. Um, right. And they, this will be the, this will be the last race on auto clubs two mile track before it becomes a half mile. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the plan. Cause they came out with that after 2020, that 2021 was going to be the last one. And then obviously Auto Club lost the date because of COVID, and so that's why Daytona Road came in. Um, but, yeah, now that that's all cleared up for 2022, we're assuming, uh, NASCAR wanted to give Auto Club one last send-off on its traditional two-mile layout. So they're going to do that, and then they're going to tear the whole sucker down and then, uh, you know, turn it into a half-mile. It's going to be basically like Bristol West, essentially, is what I'm hearing. from High-banked? Yeah, high-banked. Nice. Half mile, Coliseum style. Um, so, yeah, with that that should be uh, fun. I don't like the All Star Race at Texas again. I was going to ask you that because it's just like Texas. We didn't get nearly as many drastic changes um, for this schedule as we did for the 2021 schedule. Um, however, part of that is the car, right? Yeah. The car is changing next year, so right. they don't want to swing for the fences on the schedule and then wholesale change the car. Like, it's a completely different car. <laughs> so, I think they want to judge. So, our first look at the new cars is going to be at the L.A. Coliseum. Yeah. 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 So, that's... Would have <laughs> and then everybody's going to freak out and take everything <clears throat> they possibly can from a quarter-mile exhibition race and then translate it to the season. Like, that's really going to... Seems like we're going to be starting our 2022 DFS season with just, like, three entry max contests and kind of just getting a feel for the cars, much like the drivers. Yeah, because there's going to be the Clash, which will have DFS content, and then there'll be Daytona 500, which, no matter what the package is, is always nuts. And then they'll go to Auto Club, which they haven't raced on in... What, Two years. In 19? I think they raced in 2020. Because that was before they the. They did. They did. It was, yeah. It was like the last race before. Yeah. Or the second to last race before it was shut down. Um, but yeah, it'll be like two years since they've raced that. And now it's a new car. And yeah. So that'll be fun to start next year. All right. Let's turn our attention to Bristol. This is going to be a fun race. Uh, actually. In general, I know football is back and everything, but this is like a pretty nice layout for DFS. Matt and I are recording this Thursday afternoon. Uh, we were going to record it Wednesday night, but I had a ton of work that I had to do. And, you know, ultimately it wasn't going to work out if we recorded last night because my fire alarm went off at 11 o'clock and oh, I was stuck outside. It's just peachy. 
I was stuck outside until 12.30 in the morning in the rain, waiting for clearance to go back inside. That sucks. So it works out that we actually rescheduled this. Um, but we do get the truck race uh, on Thursday night. It does lock at 9 p.m. Eastern, so it's a little bit later. Uh, and then we get Xfinity Friday night and Cup Series Saturday night. So it is kind of like a fun little night slate for all three races. Yeah. I the The Bristol night races are always my favorite ones. Because Bristol just shines under the lights. There's something that's just different about that track uh, at night. And let's face it, this is the first time they'll be driving the actual concrete surface of Bristol this year. Because the first race here was on dirt. So don't try to use whatever the hell happened back in, like, April. Um, uh, go ahead. It's not going to carry over very much. Correct. Um as far as content scheduling goes, I've already got truck playbook and truck best bets up. I have the Xfinity playbook done. It just needs to be edited. Uh, I still have to do the best bets for the Xfinity race. Um, that's it for me. I don't know if you have any notes. Uh, I haven't done anything yet. It's coming out this afternoon. Go, Dan's ahead of the show. <laughs> on um, no, truthfully, it's taken, you know, with NFL starting, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm also the tools manager for FA and DFS Alarm. So first two days of the week are generally taken up by me making sure everything switched to the next week and fixing problems that we were unaware of until the week switched. So, um, and then I've got NFL and MLB and, you know, NASCAR content the rest of the way. So uh, I will have the track breakdown out at some point on Thursday afternoon is the plan. Um, the rest of it, I think we can probably expect on Friday between rankings, projections, playbook, best bets. Yeah, all of that will likely come out Friday. The playbook may come out Saturday morning, depending on exactly <clears throat> what pops up on my schedule on Friday. Um, and then core plays and adjustments uh, on Saturday when we get closer to race time. So there's that. And, um, yeah, Saturday night racing short track is going to be a fun, fun time. All right. Well, I will offer some quick hits on the truck and Xfinity race for the truck race. Uh, I like Sam Meyer a lot for cash games. I'd prefer to actually just fade him entirely in GPP. Well, I guess I can't say entirely. I'm fading him entirely in GPPs only because I'm only doing five lineups for Thursday's race. Uh, he's almost $12,000. He's starting P39. He won this race a year ago. He almost won at Gateway in the truck series as well. Um, he loves short track racing. This this fits his style of driving. He will be popular, but he does have to work his way through the field. I am going to gain some leverage on the field. and He is in my cash lineup, but he's not in my other four GPP lineups. Um, I really like John Hunter Nemechek to win at 11000 for his family-owned team. Uh, he had three finishes in third place here, and he's led a bunch of laps. I know the trendy pick might be Sheldon Creed after coming off the two wins at Darlington and Gateway. And um, with the news that he's moving to the <clears throat> Yeah, he's got the momentum. So I do have Creed in one of my GPP lineups. I have Nemechek in the other two. Uh, Creed will be joining Richard Childress Racing for the Xfinity Series next year. I have, I don't know what that means for Myatt Snyder at all. Um, I tried looking it up, and then I quit after about 12 seconds. Um, <laughs> Solid effort there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I actually like Tyler Ingram tonight, starting P18. Uh, rolling off. He's, going, he's only going for $9,000. 
he's kind of hit or miss, but he has been better as the season has progressed. Um, so he does need about to gain about 10 spots to really hit value. Just scrolling down, uh, Taylor Gray is going to be popular, 8,100. He's P35. He looked pretty good at Gateway about a month ago. Um, Carson Hosevar is a playoff driver, and this is also the final playoff race before the truck series gets cut from 10 drivers to eight. Hosevar, I believe, is one of those drivers that's kind of on the fringe of making it and not making it. So for that reason, I really like him and Chandler Smith. They're starting next to each other, and they're separated by about 400 bucks. The value chalk on the truck slate is probably going to be Doug Kobe, um, Connecticut zone. Uh, he is, I think he's in GMS equipment. I think he's in the 24. He's stepping in for Jack Wood. Um, he races the modifieds and this isn't his first time at Bristol. It's just his debut in the truck series. He's got familiarity with the track. Um, he is a good driver. It's not like he's some 18 year old spring chicken that's stepping into a short track where, you know, we see inexperienced drivers get bullied here. He is offering PD and he is valuable. I think if you need an absolute punt, if you need to go beneath five grand, I think you can look at Tate Fogelman. He's currently in my cash lineup. He's only 4,800. He's very cheap and he's starting P31. Um, I'm just hoping that he can somehow get into the top 25. Uh, that's it for the truck race. For the Xfinity race, I haven't looked at it too close. Um, Sam Meyer is also running in the Xfinity race. He's 9,900 starting P22. And we just talked about how he prefer, you know, how he is a short track specialist. Um, Allgaier might be the most popular dominator just because he's led at least 120 laps in his last four races at Bristol. I am not entirely sure what I'm going to do with Sindrick and AJ Allmendinger just yet. Um, if you look at the playoff field for the Xfinity Series race, it is kind of boring. It's kind of already set. I think Michael Lynette is like 66 points out from qualifying. So certainly there are some drivers that need to win to get in. Ultimately, I think the biggest playoff drama that we're looking at is maybe who wins the regular season championship between Austin Sindrick and A.J. Allmendinger. Both have okay resumes here in the Xfinity Series. Allmendinger only has one race. Um, going to be heavy on Ty Gibbs. I just think he can show up and race anywhere. Plus he's racing in the Arca race, uh, going down for some cheaper options. This slate is kind of lacking them. It is a little tough. I do like Sage Karam. He's 6,500 starting P32. Uh, the only issue is that he's only, he's an open wheel racer and he had his only other race in the Xfinity series this year was Indy road course. And we cannot draw any comparisons to that. However, he, wrote, he was running around 16th for most of the race. He just didn't finish as well. Uh, if, you, if you need to go low, I do like Bailey Curry this week. Starting dead last, he cannot kill you with negative PD. He's 5,600. I really think he, if he can get in the top 30, you'll take it and run. Um, additionally, I do like Jeffrey Earnhardt as well. He's about as cheap as I want to go. He's 5,400 starting P29. I think last year in this race, he finished 21st or maybe even top 20. Can't remember off the top of my head, but I do like him for some PD. Uh, apologies for not going as in-depth on the Xfinity Series race. It's just I've been building lineups for the Truck Series, so that is fresh on my mind. And with that, Matt, we can start talking about the Cup Drivers. Yes, we can, because it is a cutoff race for the Cup guys, too. Um, even though Crazy Xfinity has not started their playoffs yet. <laughs> huh? Yeah, they just launched right into a 12-man 12, 12 uh, playoff series starting next week. Yeah, so they're just like, hey, we'll let the Cup guys sort it out from 16 to 12, and then we'll join them later. Um, so, yeah, this is a, a 
uh, cutoff race this weekend here at Bristol as if Bristol needed any other reason to crank up the intensity. Um, and there are some some drivers that are like on the cut line and pretty close to, to you know, missing it. So there's not huge gaps here. Obviously, Hamlin and Truex are safe at this point with wins. Um, you can pretty well assume that when the the green flag drops, Kyle Larson will be safe because he's 98 points above the cut line. I believe that'll be the case for Logano, too. He's 40 points above the cut line. I think that's basically the lockdown point. Um, but, yeah, you've got Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman who are dead on tied. And right now, Kurt Busch is in there because he has the better finish in the in this stage. So between Darlington and Richmond, he has the better finish. Um, Reddick is on the outside looking in. Byron is on the outside looking in. And Michael McDowell basically needs a win at this point. Um, Byron is 18 points outside. Reddick is only five points outside. And like I said, Bowman and Kurt Busch are tied. Then Almarola somehow has stuck around long enough to be three points to the good. <laughs> Kyle Busch is only eight points to the good. Uh, Kislowski's 13. And then Christopher Bell, 17 points to the good. So, Kind of surprising on um, Kyle Bush. It is surprising. He's also fifty thousand dollars lighter, uh, you know. But hey, his son is is uh, cranking out wins in like midget cars. So maybe he I have seen that. It is nice to see a different side of Kyle Bush when he's celebrating his son's victories and not being. Yeah. A complete ass. I've also seen him teaching like his son's competitors like better ways to drive and like there was a, a picture of him literally explaining the difference between diamonding and. And you know, rounding a corner to like a seven-year-old. So that's that's kind of <laughs> I would take those advice, <laughs> take those tips when you can get them. So um, obviously, this is we've uh, nicknamed Bristol as uh, Bushel previously because the Bush brothers have combined to win here like thirteen times or something. Um, it's a pretty ridiculous amount of wins. Um. Yeah, so this is Kyle Busch's favorite track, I would say. I think if you asked him, he would say this is his favorite track. So that looks good for him because he's finished, you know, top five here four times in the last five races. Um, Kurt Busch also runs pretty well here. So if they can get solid finishes, they should be safe. But um, it should be interesting because there's going to be a lot of bumping and uh, – Bumping and shoving going on at Bristol. Those We're days. seeing that just on this late in general. <clears throat> you know, we have a lot of just the most expensive drivers are the ones that are um, starting to the front. There are 500 laps in this race. And so that means there are probably going to be th- between 320 and 330 Dominator points available. You are going to see ridiculous scores this weekend. This is always the highest scoring race weekend. If you're chasing um, DraftKings crowns and you're trying to get to, like, the next, you know, laps lead bonus, this is a good race to get that. Um, But how many Dominators are you targeting for your builds? I know a lot of times we say you can target two Doms. Can you possibly go three at Bristol? You can only because you could theoretically have guys that lead a hundred or more laps and there's still a couple hundred. Like if you have three guys that lead 120 laps a piece, you still have 180 laps left in this race. Like 
that's a lot of laps out there to go be led. So we can easily see. Um, and it's very rare that you see one guy just run away and hide with it. Um, yeah, I feel like that happens more at Martinsville. I don't. You don't really ever see it happen at Bristol. Yeah, yeah it's just the way the track. A the track surface changes because it's concrete. So as it's going to change throughout the course of the race because they're going to start it basically when the sun just went down, right? So it's still going to be warm, and then they're going to run on it for like four hours. So it's going to cool down. The track surface is going to change. The grip in the car is going to change. Who may be fast early in the race may not be fast late in the race and vice versa. We've seen this a lot in um, night races particularly. Um, So, you know, it's not terribly common that we see folks just run away and hide at Bristol because there's really not place to do that. Um, but yeah, it, so you could build around three. It's possible. I'm probably more comfortable building around two. Um, to be honest. Well, because the other thing is, is like, if you're building around three, you can't really afford to fit three drivers that are in the 10 K range. You can probably get two, but like, if you're looking at a third dominator, you're probably looking at someone like maybe, Christopher Bell, possibly Kevin Harvick, but I mean, you may even have to dip lower to possibly an Alex Bowman, or I think Alex Bowman is probably as cheap as you go for maybe a third dominator. So in, in this race, I can't say this race, but in the race here in May of last year, which was a daytime race, but it was run on the concrete surface, not the um, dirt. Kislowski led 115 laps and won. Kyle Busch led 100 laps and finished fourth. Um, Denny Hamlin led 131 laps and finished 17th. And you had Chase Elliott lead 88 laps and finished 22nd. There's no way you're getting all of those guys. And you also had Blaney lead 60 laps and he crashed out. There's no way you can afford to get all of those guys into a lineup. They're just too pricey to be able to uh, pull that off. In this, in the night race here last year, we saw Harvick lead 226 laps and win. We saw Kyle Busch lead 159 laps and finish second. Kislowski led 82 and finished 34th because he wrecked out. Chase Elliott led 23. Nobody else was in double digits. So you're basically going for the two laps led dominators, and if there's another guy that's going to lead 80 or so laps, then hopefully for your sake it's a mid-tier guy because you're not getting three expensive folks in here. You're just not. All right, what teams are we looking at for uh, Bristol on Saturday night? Is JGR, obviously, they usually show up to shorter tracks with the right setup. I mean, they've won the last two playoff races. Yeah, JGR has been quite good here recently. Um, You know, in the last five races here, and keep in mind that Eric Jones was in JGR equipment for most of that time. Um, I'm just pointing that out because I'm going to read off the guys that are all in the top six or so of average finish. Uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Eric Jones are three JGR guys who are all uh, in the top several in average finish here over the last five races. You do have Larson and Chase Elliott from Hendrick. Uh, Kurt Busch is up there. Joey Logano from P3. 
Penske. Now, that doesn't tell the whole story because, like, Blaney's been fast, but always seems to catch other people's stuff. Kislowski's typically quick here. Uh, Truex is another guy who's been quick. He's led laps and then wrecks out. Um, so, like, here's a great example, right? Truex's average finish in the last five races here is 20.8. His average run position is 13.7. So that tells you he's running up in the top 10, top 15 leading laps, and then he catches somebody's stuff, gets caught up in it, and wrecks out. That's how your average run position drops. And I think that we probably should touch on that because Bristol is kind of like a mini Dega. Yes. Yeah, um, um, you can, as Blaney has discovered each of the last three years, you can have lap cars that are battling each other. Somebody makes a wrong move and takes out three dudes in the front of the pack. <clears throat> happens all the time. There's not enough room in this on this track to really fit three wide if there is one of you is getting smashed. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of wrecks. Keep in mind they haven't raced on the concrete banking of Bristol since this time last year because it was a dirt track mm-hmm. in the spring. Um, and night racing always gets these guys amped up. It's the last cutoff race for the playoffs, so everybody's going for as many points as they can because just because you make the round of 12 doesn't mean you still don't need extra points for the next round. Um, so... It's going to be pretty chaotic. Um, but that doesn't mean you go hog wild and put everybody from the back of the field into a lineup because that also doesn't work because the laps, guys will get lapped very quickly here. Yeah. It happens all the time. Only about half the field is going to finish on the lead lap, if that. And like we just said, the lapped cars are just as likely to start something as the guys on the lead lap. So just hoping that they stick around long enough and move up doesn't actually help because they're going to be about six laps down by the time they have a shot to actually, like, people crash out. And they'll still finish behind the guys that crash out because they're laps behind them. So, um, you know, don't sell out for PD here. You can get a little bit. You're going to want laps led. Um, That's what concerns me about my truck cash lineup right now has a ton of guys starting in the back and i've been going back and forth with it all day in my head and i'm like well i've got two drivers that are offering starting outside the top 30 that i feel really good about moving up and not getting lapped but then i still have like two guys where in my lineup i'm thinking i know they're probably they're definitely getting lapped but i still think that they could finish in the top 25 and give me value um the good thing about the xfinity and the cup race is that there will be a competition caution after lap 40 so that does help them not get lapped at least in the first stage but later on as the race progresses we're going to see a lot of guys fall off the lead lap guys like running 18th will be like three or four laps down that's just how it happens here and it 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 sucks yeah i mean the same thing goes for the cup series too so there are some bigger names who are starting further back um, that, you know, you can still play, right? Corey LaJoy is kind of in play. He's only done so-so at Bristol. He tends to be a guy that gets caught up in stuff. Um, but, like, yeah, I'm going to say it again. Bubba Wallace, 
He's starting 28th. That's actually his average starting spot over the last five Bristol races. His average finish is about 20th. So he's not, you know, it's not uncommon for him to start back here and then move up. Dare I say that's not awful for cash? No. it's. I mean, he's posted three top 20s in the last five races here. Right. Right? I mean, you got to play him at, at some point. He's been better in this equipment than basically anybody thought. Daniel Suarez. Yeah, I know. It's another trope here. But he's starting 21st. His average starting spot in the last five races at Bristol, 25th. Mm-hmm. His average finish, about top 15. So there's less. Would I like to see him starting a few spots further back? Sure. But, you know, he's got the history here. Tyler Reddick is a guy we're not necessarily going to play in cash because his driving style tends to get a little, uh, get him into a little bit of trouble. Tyler Reddick at times still looks like a rookie. We can just say it. Yeah, he does. He does, sure. Um, But desperation can be a hell of a drug. (laughs) Starting 13th, you know, there's risk there because he doesn't offer quite as much PD as we usually see, but we may just need him to hang around the back half of the top 10. Right? So we can pick and choose spots a guy like ryan newman yeah he's hard to pass gets guess what that helps with holding your spot at bristol <laughs> a guy that's hard to pass is a great guy to play at a track where passing Matt Benedetto. is tough yeah right um and by the way just to back that up newman's average starting spot in the last five races 18th his average finish 14th he has four top 15s so newman starting 24th these are guys that you can play. I'm not saying we stack up on guys like Hoff or Yaley or Smithley or Davison or Starr because we comped it to Dega because those guys are going to get lapped eight times in the first seven laps of the race. But pick and choose your spots with the guys that have a track history of moving up and knowing what they're doing. All right. Now, we've talked a lot of strategy, which I think is probably more important than just talking drivers. Um I mean, because you'll do a playbook and core plays that list like your absolute favorite drivers and the ones you're targeting. Um, So I think it's important for people to um, soak in the strategy. But just to give them a nibble, who are some of your favorite plays in terms of dominators? Maybe some guys in the mid-range and then just like maybe two or three of your favorite value plays. Sorry, if you were, you can't see my face right now because you're listening on a pod, but I was just making a face. And there's a typo on the entry uh, list for NASCAR this week. They they put all of the playoff drivers starting in the top 16 by playoff spots. Yeah. And then they put a P next to them so you could see them as playoff drivers. Michael McDowell's name does not have a P next to it uh, on the starting on the uh, starting list, the starting lineup thing. Um, so they're slighting McDowell. I guess they're already prepping for the fact he's, <laughs> he's already out. <laughs> he's not going to do so well. Um, so, you know, the dominators here, by the way, speaking of McDowell, his record here is only so-so, so I, I wouldn't necessarily take a shot on him. Maybe if you're making like, I don't know, 15 lineups, put him maybe in one GPP just to, you know, again, desperation's a hell of a drug. The guy needs to win to move on. Um, so dominators, uh, I think Kyle Busch is primed to dominate. 
Um, he just loves this track and whatever frustration is has built up with him recently. I think he can overcome that. He is the most expensive guy on DraftKings. He's starting ninth, so he's got some PD. He's got a pretty good shot at leading a bunch of laps here. Um, in the last five races, he leads everybody with 72 laps led per race. Uh, they do get kind of spread out in the averages because you'll have a guy lead like 151 race and then none the next one, so it's down to 75 per race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does lead the most on average. Um, Ryan Blaney, you know, this guy, we've been talking about how he's not been that fast in the 750 horsepower package basically all year, right? Okay, but this is a track that he's been fast at previously. So do you take track history or do you take he's kind of missed it a little bit in this package this year? Although I will say, I think he's getting faster in it as the season's gone on. Um, But Blaney's got a sneaky shot at leading uh, a bunch of laps. He always seems to be a guy near the front here. Uh, He is starting seventh. Um, I can't leave out Kyle Larson. The guy's been fast everywhere. Um, Denny Hamlin again so any jgr driver really yeah basically any jgr driver i'm not that high on truex this week um this is a short track he hasn't really figured out i know he's figured out martinsville and richmond excuse me as i (laughs) (laughs) um he's figured out truex has figured out richmond and martinsville but he hasn't yet figured out bristol um whether it be because he keeps getting caught up on stuff or, you know, some tracks just don't necessarily fit a guy for a while. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say just about any JGR guy is in play. Logano is also in play. I know that Kurt Busch is going to be on the call for the truck race. going to be in the booth tonight. I saw that you, on Twitter. You love it when cup guys are in the booth. I do. It was something we did earlier this year and it seemed to pay off um well plus the track conditions are well i guess they're not going to be the same to start because the truck race is starting at like nine o'clock yeah the cup race is a little earlier than that that's true all right um which they're starting it earlier because there's more laps than the you know if they started the cup race at nine (laughs) they wouldn't leave there till like three o'clock in the morning well plus the (laughs) truck race only has 200 laps and they're running arca right before it right yeah um, so Kurt Busch is starting 15th. He's going to be a popular play, just given his track history, what he needs to do uh, this week. And, you know, he's always a factor at Bristol. So those are a few of the top guys, a few of the mid-tier. It's impossible not to mention Matt Benedetto at Bristol. He almost won here. Like, legitimately, I'm not just saying he was really close. No, he all he had to do was run out the clock for, like, 30 laps, which is like a blink of an eye at Bristol. Uh, and he could not get past Ryan Newman without damage, which then slowed his car down and Denny Hamlin passed him and then made Denny Hamlin. Like the crowd's reaction to Denny Hamlin winning two years ago made Denny Hamlin apologize to Matt Benedetto as the very first thing he did in his winter interview. <laughs> Sorry to Matty D. Um, so, yeah, he's a mid-tier guy. Austin Dillon is a guy who... He tends to just kind of hang around here. He's got four top 15s in the last five races. Doesn't do anything spectacular. He had a good showing last week at Richmond. He did have a good showing at the short track last week. <clears throat> and I know he's not in the playoffs, but hey, we can't play everybody that's in the playoffs. 
Yeah, like I know we normally associate him with like a super speedway racer, but in this in the 750 package, he's had a pretty good year. Yeah, and he's actually starting five spots behind his teammate, um, and he's about 600 bucks more than his teammate. But I think um, he might go a little bit under the radar. Um, talked about Bubba Wallace, 7,500 bucks. You're gonna need the PD from him at that price for sure, because he's not leading laps. Uh, but he's a reasonable play here. Um, as for, you know, Newman, we kind of touched on. So as for super cheap guys, sprinkle in some McDowell, I guess. What about Briscoe? Briscoe has been good here. He's worth a shot. Uh, starting 20th, he might fly a bit under the radar because it's a little, probably a little close. A little too high, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it might be a little closer to the front than, than people are used to seeing him, but I think he ran well here in Xfinity. Did he not? I'm currently looking it up and I'm trying to find his profile, but I think you are correct. He does have a win. He won. Gosh, darn it. I got to sort it by track. Uh, so, oh my God. So, uh, last year in 2020, he won the September race. He only led 11 laps, but he was running in the top five the whole race. And then in the June race, he finished second, ran top five the entire race. And then in 2019, he got a pair of top fives as well. So in his last four Xfinity races, he finished first, second, second, and fourth. So going back to the point you were making about, you know, it is a different series and they're coming up to it and whatever. But the Xfinity cars that these guys drove in – last year and the year before that are very similar to the 750 horsepower package in the cup cars. The way they handle the downforce and whatnot is similar to the Xfinity cars that these guys came up driving. So he's not a bad, he's not a bad play there at 6,200 bucks. Um, Daniel Suarez, 6,600. I don't really see any reason to go. I mean, there's McDowell. You could sprinkle. I guess a little bit in. I'll have a hard time going any lower than LaJoy. Yeah, fifty six. There's I mean, nobody. I know I know Alfredo had a good run here and in his, his Xfinity series in his Xfinity series debut. Yeah, but that guy looks like he can't find the steering wheel in a couple. <laughs> he doesn't of know how to drive at times. Justin it's, Haley's tempting because I know he's gonna get basically he's gonna get practice in the Xfinity race. Um, but at the same time, if it's not a super speedway, I don't know if I trust him in the uh, Cup series. Although he looked good at the brickyard, but like this, this is a whole different animal. I just don't have faith in him really getting a top twenty-five here. Yeah, I mean that's for anybody that's that's starting outside the top twenty-five. You're going to need a top twenty-five from them to hit value, and you know the list of guys that can do that gets slimmer the further down you go. So um, Ross Chastain is an interesting guy to just toss out there too. Yes, he is. Because he's always affordable. He's always... I feel like when he's starting in, like, the 16th, 17th, 18th range, nobody really wants to play him because they don't think he moves up. And he can. He's not really playable in cash. But, I mean, we saw him start 17th last week. He gained 10 spots and finished 7th. At Darlington, he started 23rd and finished 3rd. So, I mean, he has top 10 upside, and he... No, his ownership is usually right around 18 to 20 percent. It's never super high. Yeah, I mean, I love him. I love the watermelon man. Yeah, the watermelon farmer is fantastic. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that would be another guy I don't think is going to get a lot of attention, but, you know. I think that's enough free advice we've given people. <laughs> agreed. You're going to have to read the rest of the paid content to go see why I really like some other people. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got a ton of NFL stuff to do, and you got to get caught up on your NASCAR stuff. So thank you so much, Matt. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.